any any semblance of professionalism that we might have had is just well and truly gone. I think I like the love chart better than the brown chart. Welcome to the Empire Dynasty League Unnamed Corporate Sponsor Podcast. We are back for another week. We've had another week of football. But as always, I'm joined by Christopher Keane. How are you, mate? I'm well, thank you, Ben. Hod, how are you going? Very good, fellas. Favourite time of the week. Love it. Absolutely. Sorry, I got too caught up in trying to fade this song out. We're <laughs> off to a good start. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, what a week it has been. Um, there, there's been a lot to get through. We, we normally allocate 10 minutes for our, our news in both the league and the NFL, but I've got here that we might need 100 minutes to get through the week that has been in week two. My goodness. And uh, for any... Anyone who was following the injuries uh, out there, a very niche gag, and it's got a big grin on, che- on Keeney's face at the moment. Any Game of Thrones fans out there, it did feel a bit like the Red Wedding, if you get that well, reference. With the amount, yeah, if you haven't watched it, bad luck. Uh, the amount of injuries, my God, boys. How... Uh, where do we even start with the injuries? I think we'll, we'll break down some of them, but we haven't even got enough time to get through all the injuries that were this week. Um, just a crazy amount going on. Todd, did you want to add something? Oh, I think I just pulled a hammy rating through the injury list. <laughs> Bizarre. It feels a bit that way. I, because I, I, I wasn't working on Monday, I got up at 3am to watch, um, which I don't normally do for the 3am starts with daylight savings, but... It was just one injury. I couldn't believe it, the amount of injuries that were rolling through. And I guess anyone who wasn't up at 3 a.m., apologies for the chat, which would have had about 257 messages by 6 a.m. It was that ridiculous for the five of us who were actually up. Um, So we'll get through to those in a second. But um, Devonta Freeman is probably some big news in the NFL. He signs a one-year $3 million contract uh, with the Giants because we'll get to uh, the reasons why in a sec. He was offered more from other clubs clubs but he's opted for a better situation at the Giants at the moment so interesting bit of news there Uh, I think Tim drafted him in the actual redraft so a nice little bit of foresight there for him stashing him being the Giants fan Ben how do you see that unfolding um I don't mind it to be honest I think that we've built an offense that revolves around establishing the run and I think he's a bloke who can He's not as good as Saquon. He can obviously run. He can catch if he needs to. But I, I just think we needed someone a little bit more experienced than Wayne Gorman. Wayne, I don't mind Wayne Gorman, but um, I just think that he's a bigger body and he's a, he's a closer match to Saquon than what Gorman is. It's, a, it's an interesting one how the timeshare will go. It's obviously been a, a waiver wire ads in most redraft leagues this week with the Giants running backs. But I'm, I'm interested by that one-year $3 million contract. That's... That's not exactly a cheap contract for a running back to sign. So we don't envision the Giants are going to be that strong. So I'm not really sure why they've gone out and acquired Freeman for that sort of money. All, all my mind goes to is, do the Giants not want to 
have to face the Trevor Lawrence decision and they are trying to sign Freeman to get out of that. What are your thoughts on that, Ben? <laughs> it's an interesting call there. Uh, I think that I think it's too early with Daniel Jones, even if they were in that position. I think there'd be a lot of um, media buzz around it, but I think that, what is he, second year in? Unless he had an absolute stinky year, which would hurt Keeney, who's got him in this league. I was league. just about to say, the Danny Dimes owner himself, are you nervous? Uh, no, I'm not. I think he's he's played Pittsburgh and Chicago. I think he's looked okay at times. Um, we'll see how he goes. We always knew he had a pretty tough schedule to start the season uh, from a past defense point of view. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I, I feel okay about it. I think everything the Giants did in the offseason is to take pressure off Daniel Jones and give him the best chance possible to succeed. And I think that this is probably just another step in that signing. Have someone who is reliable to run with the ball. Um, yeah, I, I see Freeman not starting straight away, obviously. I, I reckon Gorman's actually a good value for the next couple of weeks. Um, and Dion Lewis will be the receiving back there. Probably get more work than he would have with Saquon in all year. All right, uh, we'll keep moving though because there's way more to get through than just the Giants. I was going to say, we've talked about this for way too long, but I would just one more point is I reckon you're right. I think like locker room morale is pretty big and I, I just think the Giants aren't tanking and they want to keep trying. So that's another reason. And talk about high, um, foresight. Dion Lewis in the 23rd round of the startup draft. You know it. Great pick. Let's move on to the, <laughs> the other news in the NFL this week. And um, I think it was quite fitting that we actually had that Game of Thrones uh, red wedding music in the background there because... I mean, Denver at the thought of having to start Blake Bortles, you'd almost want to slit your wrists um, at that thought. So, um, you know, I think that's pretty relevant. Um, Jim snagged him off the waiver wire for 25% of his budget. So he's pretty excited um, as a potential starter. But that is, for me, nothing more than a backup behind Driscoll. There's even rumours that with the whole COVID situation that he won't be able to pass a physical in time. So they may even look to get another backup just for this week, just so that when Driscoll starts and if he goes down, then they've got someone to suit up um, and play, which is uh, an interesting one. I think it's a bit of a convenient bit of news there that the COVID thing, I think they realised after they announced they were going to sign Bortles that they went, nah, we need to get someone else. What have we signed ourselves up for here? No, nah, anyway, it'll be interesting. That, yeah, that will be. Moving on, the, um, the other big talking point um, from last week is obviously all these injuries we'll get to in a sec, but... But um, maybe some of them could have been avoided with this turf at, the, at MetLife um, coming under a bit of fire with, with complaints from the 49ers. Um, they've had two ACLs, an MCL. Um, so they've, they've been a bit of an issue. And they, ironically, the Niners go back there again this week. Like, what, what are the odds of that? Mm. They played the Jets last week. They're back there again this week against the Giants. So they're absolutely ravaged at the minute, San Fran. So we'll see how that plays out on the weekend. Well, at least they don't have any more knees to blow out. There's no, no knees left. Oh. Old Tony, no knees. <laughs> All right. So I feel like I feel like we need the uh, the mask little anthem here. Or maybe I'll step in. Somebody stop there. Um, Who needs sound but... effects when he got hot? <laughs> Sign off sound effects. Can do it all. But uh, yeah, the masks this week were like, what are these coaches uh, doing? We've had, I was thinking, well, 100 grand for a coach might not be anything, but when, it, when then they find the, the team 250K, like, 
Jesus, boys, just put a mask on. It's not hard. And like all up five head coaches, but how's Gruden and Peyton? They've gone through the whole week. Everyone else has been fine and they've thought, nah, I'm showing up tonight. I'm not wearing one. Well, I don't really know what's going on there. You, you would have had a keen interest in that, Keeney. Well, they're, they're wearing them. It's just that they're putting them underneath their chin. <laughs> well, so the memo has been that when you're calling plays, you don't have to wear them. But last time I checked, those two coaches are only on offense. So I don't know what they're doing when they're on D. But um, did you it's, have something there, Ben? It's just very... Uh, it, it reminds me a bit of what society's like at the moment. Like, I've gone to Chatty a few times to do my grocery shopping and there's just people with them around their chins because it's mandatory you're supposed to wear them. And if, I guess, any official was there, they'd just quickly slide them up. But no one really cares. There, there's people yeah. that do it and then there's people that just blatantly don't give a shit. Well, if you if you have a takeaway coffee in the hand, you don't need to wear them. You just <laughs> no, have them around the no. COVID, <laughs> COVID doesn't get you if you're drinking takeaway <laughs> coffees. <laughs> Oh, we'll move on to, uh, isn't this a funny one? Fitzpatrick, our man, Fitzmagic, has dropped a bombshell in announcing that beards are cooler than the stash. Um, so things have got a bit heated this week with the Jays coming up against the Dolphins with Minshew. Uh, but he took the higher ground, stating, I'll let mine speak for itself, but I'm going to have to respect my elders, especially when they're much, much elder. So this this shapes up to be. I, I think this is a sneaky good game on Friday. Could be a little offensive shootout. Um, so the battle of the beard and the stash. What are your thoughts, boys? I like it. I like that we've also stated how much news we've got to get through. Yet we still found the time to put that one in as one of our news points. It's uh, <laughs> it's you know we're we're prioritising here. Well, I think it's time we we get onto the injuries now and um... ah. 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 Jesus. You can only mean one thing, and they are the injuries that just ravaged uh, every, <laughs> just about every dynasty team out there. Ravaged uh, is a good word. Ravaged. <laughs> uh, Matt and a few people seem to escape. Uh, we were trying to find teams that escaped any injuries, but... We've got Saquon. He's uh, Papa's pretty sad about. It. I'm sad as a Giants fan. Papa's sad that it, his number one pick goes down for the season with an ACL, and that was a weird one because if you were watching live at 3 a.m. like some idiots were up doing, he actually put he fell down in the in the previous play, and it looked like he hyperextended his elbow, and he sat out, and that that was sort of where the concern was with Saquon. And then two plays later, he's back on the field, and you think happy days, not. Not as bad as what it looked, and then that play he goes out with an ACL injury. So something was uh, something was going on there. I think he wasn't going to escape that game injury free. Then uh, Cortland Sutton comes out with an ACL injury. He's done for the season, unfortunately. That was um, that's pretty sad news. It, it, it sort of came out a bit late that one, didn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Much later in the week. And then C Mac, he's uh, he's not out for the season, but got the high ankle sprain which is never a good thing for a running back he's placed on IR which is the three-week IR at this point and they reckon he could be out four to six and then it's also a case of and Hod obviously you being the C-Mac owner here what he's going to be like on his return because uh, there's no guarantee he goes back to to full top flight um, C-Mac production with a high ankle injury there so that's that's a big blow to your team and then there's a few other ones we'll, we'll race through Jalen Ragor he's not 
having a good introduction to the NFL. He's out now with a thumb, a UCL tear on his thumb there, six to eight weeks. Eagles are down to four healthy wide receivers. They are struggling. I don't know what's going on in Philadelphia. Uh, we talk about the 49ers copping injuries. They are arguably one of the most injured teams in the NFL. Uh, Jake's QB and Drew Locke, he's out with a shoulder injury, three to five weeks. Uh, Fangio came out, said there's nothing actually wrong with his shoulder. He's just got a bad bruise right on his throwing shoulder there. So he just needs that time for it to heal. Um, and Jimmy G, the other QB, has gone out with a high ankle sprain. He's week to week. So it looks like Nick Mullins is probably going to get the start this week. Uh, we'll see how long he's out for. And that's got to be concerns for the DFF, who's 50% of his quarterbacks is Jimmy G right there. Can I just say, just um, going back to C-Mac, Hod, is there a world where, you know, he's out for four or five weeks um, and the Panthers are 0-7? Is there any motivation for them to even bring him back at all this year? I would have, would have thought so. I mean, given everything runs through him. And I'm... Like, I've obviously read a bit about it and he's a pretty motivated man and understands. And this is the first year he's taken a leadership role um, as one of the captains. So I think he'd be pretty motivated to get back and um, sooner rather than later. He, he addressed that pretty quickly. But will the front office be motivated to get Trevor Lawrence? Um, I don't know. I'll, ask, I'll spin that back on you. You're a big fan of Teddy. What do you think? Well, I don't think so, but I think at at zero and seven, it's an interesting quandary to be. In. Well, I think I think you're searching for narratives here, but I I, I think C Mac will be back sooner than six Good to weeks. Hear. Great to and, hear. And uh, and I did have a look at how Barkley responded last year. He came back and wasn't himself, but the last six games of the year, he was pretty special. So that that was going to be my point exactly. I think there is a perfect parallel to the Giants last year, not. Not a team that anyone expected to do well. Saquon went down early in the season. I think it was about week three or four that he went down. Same injury. so And he fought back to get back pretty early. So I think you'll see a similar thing from C-Mac. I don't think they'll want to sit out. Um, continuing with more injuries, Mostert and Coleman, both with MCL sprains. They're both week to week. I think Mostert looked to be potentially season ending. So that's a good result, I suppose, that he's, he's just a sprain. Um, yeah, so Coleman likely to go on injured reserve, according to Shanahan. As most, as he come out and said that most is going to be, he's no. just questionable at this point. I don't think they've listed him. Malcolm Brown, he's broken his finger. So after that uh, week one, where you thought kind of knew what the the uh, backfield in at the Rams was going to look like, he breaks his finger and Acres goes down with separated rib cartilage in his week to week. So all of a sudden, Darrell Henderson just jumps, leapfrogs his way to the front of the line there and looks like a pretty good play for the, at least the next week or two. Um, and then probably the last bit of news in injuries that we just thought was just a bizarre one is the uh, Tyrod or Tyrod Taylor with the punctured lung that's come out. Um, so he had rib complaint after a week one injury, went to get the injection pre-game just to help with the pain and the doctor's accidentally gone and punctured his lung in the process. So I think as you pointed out today, Hod, Probably the last thing that doctor will ever do. Um, <laughs> that's that's not good. And, and makes, I don't know, I just thought about this, but you've got Cam Akers with um, the separated rib cartilage. So I'm guessing he'll get to a point where there's a bit of pain management in his ribs. I wonder how reluctant he's going to be to get that after hearing this news of Terod Taylor with a punctured lung. I definitely would not be keen for that procedure. 
I think that that doc might have just had the big sherbet as his fantasy quarterback and got Tyrod out of there real quick. <laughs> there are, there's got to be some conspiracy. Are you like a good conspiracy theory? We forgot to add this in. Oh, we could have had too. the we could have had this as the uh, the week three conspiracy theory. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's the uh, segment looking for a sponsor. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's um, why we didn't add it. But we will we will push on. Um, we will start some league news. Twenty bucks to Maddie Mack for the highest scorer last week. A whopping one eighty five. Uh, would have sucked to have versed him, but um, his quarterbacks boys scored seventy five between them. Like yeah. that is monstrous. And I was watching the Atlanta Dallas game, and it was just not good in the second half. No, I mean, your QBs held their own pretty well against it, I think. I think uh, Cam made it a bit of a game when he came out and played. But yeah, Matt, we'll get to the QBs as well in a sec, but Matt's also got two perfectly good starters sitting on his bench that put up 20s each as well. So all up 121 points in the four QBs that Matt owns is a pretty healthy spot to be sitting. Do you reckon the DFF called has called Prestige Worldwide yet? Well, he might have put in a call. I don't know. I would be if I was the DFF. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's a lovely segue, actually, Hot, into some uh, probably the only part of the, the league news that we, we want to touch on for this week. And obviously with the waiver wire being so thin and, and not a whole lot of trades or no trades going down, um, the only other bit of league news I think that's relevant is are we about to see a bit of a QB carousel, a bit of a... In, you know, asking the question about some QBs here. There's some teams that we all agreed are in a, a bit of a win-now mode that all of a sudden, looking at their QB room, probably not feeling as comfortable with what they've got, um, whether that's in total number or kind of how their QBs are performing. Um, and obviously, with no waiver wire there to, to top you up, we've mentioned this a few times, um, I think these teams are going to have to, at some point, work out that if they're going to go all the way this year, and not just make the playoffs, but actually win the playoffs and, and win the win the league. They're going to need to um, fill that QB spot. Like I'm, I'm looking at guys like Jim um, with with Rogers and Cousins. Now Rogers has looked good um, against potentially two pretty average sides, but we'll wait and see. Um, Cousins was awful on the weekend, um, and he's picked up Bortles. So Bortles is like his third one. I think he needs to make a move if he's serious. The DFF with Garoppolo. Um, Mullins is in now Darnold hasn't looked great um, and then Easton's his backup and then the other one's Papa with, with Brady and Breeze we, we'll talk about how kind of awful Breeze looked on the in the game on the weekend um, but then all he's got is Foles Alex Smith and Mariota as well so those kind of contenders so I'm, I'm putting you know Jim in that bucket he, not, he got 17 from his two QBs on the weekend Papa got 23 points Jake even Jake only got 38 points from his two QBs and now uh, Drew Locks injured, so it's just a just an interesting one to see if you know when when the whips when the whips are cracking and they actually need to think, okay, right, I, I want to win this this league, uh, this year. What are they willing to give away um, to make that happen? Oh, it's a perfect point. I, I reckon if anyone can comment on it, Hod, you uh, are a person who's just gone with the the two QBs as starters, obviously. Uh, you're not in a position where you need to be getting anyone, but let's, you know, hypothetical say that one of yours goes down or one of your QBs is underperforming as someone who is going all in for this year. Uh, what what would your view be on it? I think I'd just put C-Mac up on the block and see who comes crawling. Is that legit? Because... No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's not a bad one with his injury, but yeah, obviously long play. 
because for me, like legitimately, like um, if you if you're in the mix and you come fourth, and and like we all agree that being in the window, that's not a bad thing. It's good to have a team that's ready to win now, but it's not good if you've got a team that's ready to win now and you come fourth or fifth for the next two years. Like you're in no man's land. So like if you want to actually go ahead and win it, um, these are the decisions you got to make. I think especially if you can make moves that, that can put you in that position. If you if your hands are tied and you can't make any moves, so be it. I mean, you just ride it out, don't you? But But it's a good hypothetical to play because you're right. There are teams that are in uh, positions where their lists are strong enough and you would hate to you would hate for one position to just hold you back like if it was running back or wide receiver you'd, or tight end you'd be doing the same thing trying to sort of fill those gaps and I think it's an interesting one in week two I think if it was at the pointy end of the season and, and everyone's sort of uh, season was shaped out a little bit more of, of where they stand I think that uh, there'd be people seriously putting in the call I think uh, I think there's a segment later for this called overreactions Kenya that you might get, be going a bit early for that one <laughs> um, but we'll uh, we'll push on here to the week two results let's go through them and we'll start with the OJ's legal team 179.52 second week in a row he's put up a 170 burger uh, versus the straight cash homies who, with a respectable 162.5 uh, big scores were projected and big scores were delivered. Timos, very stiff to lose with a 160-plus score. And he achieved that score with a 3.7 from Zach Moss, a 1.3 from Irv Smith Jr. and a big fat donut from Will Fuller. So it's that's a lot that's, in, that's been incredible. left. Yeah, it's a, it's a great score considering. So a lot's been left on the table there for Timos and should give him some optimism moving forward. Uh, and then we move to Jake who really doesn't have a weakness. Every one of his starters performed this week with the only concern maybe being Todd Gurley. His yards per carry is looking pretty grim. Um, and this this surprising for some, but maybe not others. There's not a lot of involvement in that prolific passing game. So I, I still think he will fall into the end zone enough times, given how potent this offense is. But even if Gurley is a letdown, um, perhaps not all is lost as Jake has Leonard Fournette sitting on his bench and, and as we saw, could have possibly run away with the Tampa starting role, but uh, that's to be determined. And lastly, the Derek Carr edition. Um, is it paying off already, boys, considering his strong start to the season and now with the lock injury? What are your thoughts? You, you guys love the QBs? We do. Uh, and as the person who gave him the QB, I think that it's... Uh... It's paid off. He's he clearly got, went into the season with you know there there could have been doubt on either of his two QBs in Roth and um, Drew Locke, and so I think he he addressed that prior to the season starting. So I've thought about it from the point of view. I really liked Derek Carr this year. I thought he was an awesome pickup where I got him, and that's I was only going to get rid of him if I was going to get what I deemed to be a decent return. And uh, I wondered if holding on to him uh, for a moment like now where teams are a bit more desperate, would I have got more? But to be honest, I'd, I probably would have walked away with a first round pick anyway for him. So I think that um, happy days that, that Jake got in early, really. Did you want to add anything, Katie? No, I was going to ask you that question. That very question is, is, do you regret kind of going a little early on it? I think you got fair value for, for him, um, considering kind of Jake's, list build and how strong he is and what he needed. Um, and for him, he would have thought that first round, it was, 
you know, in the 10 to 12 range. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I yeah. the question is, would you get more value now? Maybe, but you don't know, like these kind of things weren't, aren't always going to happen. So hard to say. Yeah, no, I'm happy with what I walked away with. I wouldn't have done it if I didn't deem it to be good enough value. And I thought a first rounder for, for where I got him in the startup draft and what I kind of need with my list, I thought was an awesome return. I think both teams walked away from that pretty happy. Let's take a hypothetical. As of right now, Locke's injured. Derek Carr's coming off the back of a huge performance. Jake comes to you, goes, hey, Derek Carr, what, what do you want for him? Well, that's the thing. I, I'd probably still, I, I was thinking about this earlier today, I probably would still walk away with the first round pick because let's assume in that hypothetical, we never had the discussion prior to the season starting. Um, I'd probably still walk away with his first round pick because I think that that is a good return for a, a starting QB that is only, what, 28, 29? Like he's pretty young still. So I'd, uh, I'd, I'd say then Jake wins that. If he hasn't had to pay more previously and then had him on the weekend, that's, that's a pretty good win. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say. There could have been a player thrown in there. But I know that Jake's value of QBs wasn't as high to start with as mine. So who knows? But it's, and I just think it, it speaks a little bit to kind of what we're talking about at the top with, with teams kind of reluctant to, to give a first round pick um, to make your team a little bit more solid. It's just the, interesting the way Jake's done it. So he's, he's given up that first rounder, but, but I think we would all agree that his team right now is the best, if not, you know, in the top two or if not the best team in it. Um, and that's clearly off the back of him having two solid QBs in his lineup. If he was there with Roethlisberger and then Locke as his second, I don't know if we would be still saying that his team is, the best in the league. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's a perfect insurance play of what he did. He loved every other part of his list. That was the one part that he was a bit nervous about and he went out and got insurance on it and it's paying dividends right now. So yeah, I, I, I think what it's done is a good thing for the league. It's, it's proven that it's a good price to pay for a quarterback and it's how you're going to have to acquire quarterbacks. It's so different to a redraft league because quarterbacks, you can stream them week on week out. Like, with deeper benches and with everyone just hanging on to him, I mean, and, and someone like Matt who's hoarding four perfectly good starting QBs, it's for this sort of reason, isn't it? So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But let's move on to the Humdingers and Prestige Worldwide who uh, played in, at the time, what looked like uh, Matt was just going to absolutely run away with it. And he, he's put up 185 points, the highest in the week as Hod mentioned earlier be stiff if you had to play against him because Hod's put up a respectable 163.9 as well uh I was watching this game pretty closely as the person who previewed it last week um and it did look like Matt was just in the driver's seat and didn't uh Cam Newton make it interesting in that later game he put up 36 in the end was it Hod I think about 36 and he he went in what looked like uh, Matt was going to have the lead going into the Monday night football game and he had to rely on Darren Waller to put up a good game and sure enough he did. But um, there was a little bit of nerves from Matt, wasn't there, Keeney? Oh, and I was just about to say, I was getting a few text messages from Matt throughout that game and it went from, oh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty comfy here against Hod to five minutes later, oh, I should be right against Hod to, oh, here we go, Cam Newton again, I'm in trouble here. So the, the range of emotions that went through that man... It definitely, um, yeah, definitely put him in, a, in an interesting spot because, you know, tight end is sort of the biggest hit and miss position, I reckon. 
uh, even in a tight end premium league, like they can just be frozen out of games. And he needed to get, I think, eight points out of Darren Waller. Now he got that just about on the first drive because he got five catches in the first drive. So, um, but it did it did make him a bit nervous going into that Monday night game, which probably makes you feel a little bit better there, Hod. Well, I, I text Matt very early on Monday morning uh, when I was jetting off to work and I couldn't watch any more of the games and I basically congratulated him and he's like, ha ha, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll brag a bit later on tonight. And then when Cam made, made him have to earn it, I didn't hear anything back from Thais. So I think he was just hoping for a bit, but no, nah, Walla, Walla was awesome. And mm. um, I'll just make a quick point on that. Like John Gruden's copped a lot of heat, but he consistently got Walla in one-on-ones. Um, he was clearly the focal point. Um, I just thought it was magnificent coaching that utilised Waller's talents, uh, which is unquestioned, really. Mm. Did you want to add something, Katie? I was just going to say, Hod, it's a great strategy as well because Thais is one that just hates the reverse moz. Oh. He hates it. Congratulate him early. He just it goes straight into his, oh, no, now I'm going to lose mode. Yeah, very well. I was very surprised that he actually acknowledged that he was, that he was going to win. And, and yeah. said, oh, yeah, I'll save it for later. Because usually it'd be like, oh, no, nah, don't be stupid. I can confirm that that after Cam Newton put you in front going into that game, he did say he was going to put a bet on Darren Waller um, stinking it up or something, like, putting unders on him just to try and reverse uh, it. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, the, the two highest scoring teams with Hod and Jake, uh, they've had the most points scored against them. So... Matt putting up the highest score. I think that... Did you write that note, Hod? That's not something I wrote. That seems like something you would have added in there. Oh, Keeney did. Okay. Uh, (laughs) The key key takeaways, I reckon, is that, uh, yeah, Matt clearly holds the strongest QB room in the league with both of his starters putting up 30-plus and then his two backups putting up 20s. He's in a very comfortable position there. So, um, as we've mentioned already with teams losing their, their QBs, Matt can bolster up his team if he really wants to, or he can sit on it a bit longer and hope that maybe this season play continues to play out. Cause if there's a week two, that's resulted in this many injuries, surely there's many more weeks to come. I reckon that could have this sort of level of carnage. Um, yeah. So with, with Matt's list, you know, he got Sanders back who looked like um, the preseason hype that surrounded him. He looked pretty good. Eckler losing touches to Kelly. That's uh, clearly going to have Matt a bit nervous there. Uh, Eckler had 16 carries and four targets and Kelly had 23 carries and two targets. So looking like a split backfield, which I don't think uh, many people predicted at the start of the season. Corey Davis had one of his best possible situations to the year. Only got five targets, 36 yards and salvaged with a touchdown. So Matt's uh, wide receivers, although CD look good, Matt's wide receivers are um, they're still a part of his team that he needs to bolster up. So maybe he could do that through trading. And Darren Waller, 16 targets, looks to be potentially the number one tight end for the season at this rate, um, if they're going to use him that way. And then ha- takeaways for Hod's list is that Cam is just looking to be a great preseason prediction for Mod. Um, made this matchup interesting, like we said. Worrying signs with McCaffrey going down for his list and Julio um, re-aggravating a hamstring injury. Uh, Ronald Jones potentially losing his starting job because Fournette looked very good this week. So, you know, there's some concerns, I think, for Hod's list, but I think your depth is still there and you get Chris Goldman back this week. So as much as um, 
as much as some people are going down around you, you've, this is why you built depth, I think, when you drafted your team. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, Next man up, boys. Next man up. Mm. Keeney, you don't have that luxury, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Your bench collectively scored about four. Actually, no, Dr- Dris- Driscoll put up 18 points for you. I bet you expected that, didn't you? Yeah, move on to the next crappy game. <laughs> Good segue, Hodge. Oh, right? oh, that is a great segue. The grouse. Here we go. Mono 4.52 um, versus the Bayside Executioners uh, with 115 points. What a lacklustre affair this was, let's be honest. What, what we can take out of this is that Scoot definitely listens to this pod and takes the advice as he rolled out the Trubisky effect and what did he do? He outdueled Danny Dimes, who obviously Keeney played. So um, putting up a measly 7.74 points. Uh, mm. Scoot also benched Sammy Watkins after the, the week one hype, which is nothing new for him, as we stated. So a good call by him as he turned in 1.6 points. Um, Scoot needs a turnaround pretty quickly if he wants to keep up with what looks like a juggernaut sitting atop the Bo Callahan division in Jake. Uh, Jake had some pretty uh, ruthless comments on Scoot's side and didn't quite agree with what how we saw it unfolding. And maybe there's some truth to this. But I know Scoot is undefeated, but it's a very average 2-0 at best. Uh, very Green Bay-like of last year. The record <laughs> isn't all what it seems. So get off the bears. They're all right. And... Um, I just got a question for you there, Keeney. Are you tanking already? Because you had you played Kendrick Bourne as your number one wide receiver. That's a little disrespectful towards Juju and DJ Moore, I would have thought. But the list goes on. In week two of very questionable starters, Chase Edmonds, Logan Thomas, and Gerald Everett. Who would you who would you like me to please? <laughs> There's no, someone try, edited my notes here. Try again. Yeah, yeah me. I'll answer uh, that if you like. And uh, Logan Thomas scored well the week before, but um, some very questionable starters here. Uh, any thoughts on that, Kenny? Are you tanking already? I will, I will just throw in for the people listening that the reason what tripped hot up there is that in the notes, Keeney added, who would you like me to start? <laughs> he's given, <laughs> he's given oh, a retort. I see what you've done there. You bastard. You talked about how good my bench was in the last little preview. My question to you is, Hod, who in the plethora of bench options I've got, who do you want me to start? I've got bloody AJ Brown who's got bone on bone going on. I've got George Kittle who's got a QB that can't bloody hit his tit when he's wide open. I've got Armstead who's bloody COVID. I've got D. Will COVID. They're the only two bloody infected by COVID in the whole of America and they're on my bloody fantasy team. So who do you want me to start, mate? (laughs) Well, that's a great segue. I I want you to start the big shining light and that is the SEPs were as good as advertised. Big Jonathan Taylor. He's a legit building block for not only Keeney, but the, the Colts for sure. So I think you'll be seeing a heavy dose of him this year. Well, I was very lucky that he fell to me at 17 hot, as you know. Oh, very good. What are you getting at there? Oh, well, I knew, I, I, there's, it's got nothing to do with Marlon Mack was going to snap his Achilles. 
um, you know, I knew that was going to happen. So at 17, it was just a no-brainer for me. The old hindsight know-it-all. You're referring to the DFF there, are you? Could be. Could, Could be. be. Um, I'm interested, Hod, in your take here. Surely you're better than this to say that Kendrick Bourne is his number one wide receiver. Is that because Keeney had him in the wide receiver slot versus the flex? Come on, you're better than that. You are better than that. Does that mean the narratives? Does that mean that Baker was my starter over Lamar because I had him in the super flex? Surely he's just playing the smart flex game there. Anyway, let's move on. You got the next game, Keeney. Let's let's move on from that. What a what a ripper it was too. Monstrosity of a (laughs) matchup. Apologies to everyone for my pitiful 104.52. Let's move on to (laughs) another pitiful score. score. (laughs) (laughs) And that is our first instalment of the Copyright Cup. And wasn't that a treat for uh, all league members to to witness this one? It's it's one that, you know, I did point out that um, Ben was a big chance to, to pull off the upset off Jim's 170. Do you know what I'm most disappointed about is that I was zero, uh, 0.03 points off having the score of one, two, three, four, five. That's what's left me really flat after last week. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been a treat for all those number files out there? Oh, I do like, I do enjoy that. I can't believe I didn't pick up on it. I know. Um, I'm surprised you. Let's, you let's love talk, us that. Let's talk about this game. And, and when we get a weekly um, little review from Sleeper, you know, you see who the best manager, worst manager is. I saw straight away that, that Ben was the best manager this week. And, uh, you know, someone told me it's because he set a pretty optimal lineup. I just thought it was because he started Brown Chubb. And I just thought straight away, you win the best manager award when you start the Brown Chubb. And not only did he start Brown Chubb, he put it in that order. He put Brown on top of Chubb so you can just read down and it just says Brown Chubb. It was chuffed with his work. I know that for a fact. <laughs> I don't know where you got this from because didn't Manny win manager of the week? You just wanted to bring up the fact that I started a Brown Chubb again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in my book you won it because you started Brown Chubb. Um, well, so let's... yeah, but they one broke their finger so it was a bit flat after yeah. that. Yeah. It bent. Man. It's crooked. <laughs> Crooked, crooked chub. Uh, let's talk about Jimmer here. So he's fresh off a 170 burger in week one, and we all thought, well, hello, what have we got here with the old Jim City Stallions? But old variant City Stallions has come come back to bite us with a 90 in week two. It's hard to predict, Jimmer. Have we gone early on Jim? <laughs> well, we may have gone early, oh boy, on, on Jimmer. Um, <laughs> We'll wait and see kind of what he looks like this week. We touched on it at the start with his QB room, Kirk Cousins um, and Aaron Rodgers. Certainly Kirk didn't look great. I think he scored negative points, didn't he, Ben? Negative yeah. one or... Negative 1.48, I think it was in the end. Not so, good. When you've only got two QBs in the room and one of them scoring negative points... One's in that taking super- points <laughs> off you. <laughs> it's a massive burden. It's a huge... If you think about kind of your position's going to put up 15 to 20, that's a huge you know, step backwards, obviously. Mm. But it's just more probably the Minnesota offense that hasn't looked great early days. And we don't want to overreact too much, but it may be an area that he needs to improve. Well, let's uh, let's give credit where credit's due, boys. It, it, he came up against a stifling defense in, in the Ooh. horseshoe. So, geez, they got after him. DeForest Buckner, that's a juicy one. Yeah. He's talking I, I think there's some stiff elements at play here for Jim. Obviously, 
Henry and Jacobs are going to stiff, stiff chub. <laughs> Henry and Jacobs, are, that's arguably going to be their two worst games for the year, you would hope, with where he drafted them. Um, AJ Green, well, that could be... Uh, he had 13 targets and he caught three of them. That's unheard of. So who knows if, if Burroughs is going to keep rewarding him with targets, but if he's only going to catch three of 13, maybe he's going to start looking Boyd's way more often. So watch this space. Um, but yeah, and then the Cousins one. It's never good when you start a player and you would have been better off just putting no one on the field. That's it's always no. a, a stiff situation to be in. No, it's never great. Um, on a bittersweet note for Jimmer, um, I would say that that's his workhorse running backs have been exactly that through the first two weeks. Another 25 carries for Henry, 27 carries for Jacob. So those guys are doing their role. They're not getting massive points at the moment, but hopefully that comes um, because they are getting huge workloads. And speaking of big loads, the big brown-chub combination, I'll go back to it. Will that, will that ever lose a fantasy game again? It's, it's undefeated in 2020. Um, and I, just, I think we need to have a brown-chub watch each week um, and just see where that sits. That's true. Well, next week's watch is going to be that it's shelved. Shelved chub uh, with brown going out. <laughs> don't, don't mention the word shelf, buddy. Food will get very excited. <laughs> oh. I couldn't help myself. Well, oh, I don't man. think that brown chub is ever going to lose in your mind, Keeney. Jeez, you get chuffed about oh, it. I get so oh. excited by that. Hey, you know what a better, what a better combo is? The better combo could be the love chub. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rice gets a go later. Oh. Or, or there could be a bit of stinky chub smell about it. <laughs> oh, this is, this oh, is getting it's out right. Endless. It's getting out of hand. But bottom line is Benny Parker and the Park City Lions is 1 0 in the copyright cup stakes. We'll keep yeah. an eye on that for years to come. It's, Let's move over to... It's up there with another. the Q clash, isn't it? That's well, the last time I heard. The, the CC clash. <laughs> um, let's move on to another really important fixture um, for week two, and that was the San Diego Demons, the 0-1 San Diego Demons, now 0-2, up against Johnny United's haircuts, 121 to 162. So a massive score there from um, the Johnny United's Sensible haircuts. Uh, improved week from the San Diego Demons here, but hasn't the sensible haircuts just quietened down those haters, showing you just how little running backs do matter if you have elite production around it? He's plugged in Jarek McKinnon. Uh, he scored 13.7. He's plugged in Frank Gore, who got 21 carries in a massive blowout. Like Adam Gase, they, they, they lose by 30, and he gives Frank Gore, the 37-year-old man, 21 carries. It's just... Can someone fire that bloke already? It's just, I would hate to own anyone on the Jets at the minute from an offensive mm-hmm. point of view. It is just an absolute shite show. Well, we're not going to own any on a defensive point of view, so carry on. Oh, you, never, you never know with this league, mate. It's ever expansive. We, we might get IDP into it at some point. Um, but what I will say, in the preview of this game, we kind of honed in on the fact that it's going to be the battle of the... The QBs, both sides have two really strong QBs, Mahomes and Watson v. Wilson and Burrow. Um, and whilst it probably wasn't the deciding factor, um, Burrow outscoring uh, Watson by about 10, I think. Um, and he had 61 passes in his second game um, mm. in the NFL. And he looked really good. No picks, no real errors um, from Burrow. And he looks pretty comfortable at the level, um, obviously. So that's looking like a nice pick there for, for Manny. 
Um, and, and Russell Wilson to go on top of it. Hasn't he just exploded in the first two weeks? And he is playing unbelievably well and clearly a top three option at that position at the minute. Um, and I do notice that, that Camo's playing Papa this week. And I just wonder, I just wonder if we see one of the all-time ultimate power moves by starting Nick Mullins over to Sean Watson. Do you think we could see it? <laughs> oh, big call. Well, we were looking at the uh, the started points versus the the maximum or optimal lineup you could set, and Camo's about seventy points off his optimal scores in what he's actually started. So maybe he goes against the trend, and just maybe it's one of those situations where he goes against his instincts and he starts a Mullins over to Sean. It could be a master stroke, or it, uh, it yeah, it could be horrible. <laughs> what did Mullins score? Point eight or something in the end? I don't. I wouldn't. No, know. if he's starting this week, he'll be he'll be right. Yeah, we'll see. That Giants defense, whew, watch out. Uh, all right, let's move on. This was the map. This is what we build as the matchup of the week. It was the DFF versus the Punishers, and it underwhelmed a little. Uh, I think it was more of a matchup just because of the amount of talking that these two boys do. But as we were saying, the DFF, he's. Someone needs to check in on him. I think he's just gone off the grid for a bit. The, his Philly uh, Eagles are not doing very well. His players in the DFF are not doing very well. He's almost non-existent with you. Oh, he did put in a little hype one about uh, what's his name, the the wide Brian, was, Edwards. Brian Edwards. That was the only thing we heard out of him all week. What what was that as well? What did he say? No, he said Brian Edwards is an absolute baller, and I just want to ask you, DFF, which one of his three carries in the first uh, three targets in the first two weeks have you been most excited by? <laughs> oh my goodness, settle down, mate. It's, he's probably tuned in for all. He's probably tuned in for all three of them. There's a very good chance that he got that excited. Look, it was built up as the uh, the dynasty football buy versus the Pappas panic attacks, and. Uh, <laughs> It had it, it. Look, if you got up early enough, it did have a bit of heat to it early on. In fact, uh, this one probably got lost by a lot of people. But I've actually got it timestamped here that if you went back into our uh, messenger group there at three forty-five a.m., Papa, Papa actually called for the mercy rule against the DFF, and he will deny that as much as he wants. But you can go back if you're keen on that Monday morning and check it out because uh, I was feeling the mercy rule. With the Giants in real life, the Cowboys fans were feeling the mercy rule at the time with Atlanta, blowing them out with the five fumbles I think they had to that point. And Papa was just down and out at that point. And he uh, he called for the mercy rule against the DFF. Well, uh, he'll deny it, but uh, Hod's looking it up right I'm, now. I'm scrolling as we speak. It is there, 3.45 a.m. Look for it. As he does look for that. So the DFF, some takeaways. We've said it already that serious concerns for QB. Uh, it means that he's down to, unless he does something about it, he can only play Darnold this week and Jacob Eason's not getting a start in time soon. So that super flex could, well, it, it could be better than Kirk Cousins, couldn't it? I mean, you could really start anyone and you're doing better in that super flex. It, sh- it really should be. I've got a question for both of you. And this is like, we've had a bit of fun with this um, in the first couple of podcasts and, you know, a bit of, bit of tongue in cheek a little bit. Um, but what percentage chance do you give me here? This is off the cuff. You guys haven't prepared for this, but. What percentage do you think that the Jets actually do get the number one pick and take Trevor Lawrence? Like, I don't think we can... Like, we've been joking about this for a little bit, but for mine, this is this is right in the mix. I think we have a recent track record. Didn't the cards go down this path with Rosen as pick 10 um, and then they doubled down a year or two later and took Kyler? So I don't think it's... 
I don't think it's unheard of. I'll give it a 45% chance because I still think Darnold's quite good. I think I think as long as Gase is there, that Darnold's career is not going to take off. So I actually give it higher. I give it about a 55 to 60% chance of happening. The big, the big question from a dynasty point of view is if it does happen um, and they trade Darnold, do you think Darnold is still relevant in the league? I yes. think someone will give him a chance, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, whether he does something with it or not. I mean, the Josh Rosen comparison is a great one because he got another gig somewhere. He just didn't make the most of it and clearly not good enough. Well, I'll spin it back on you, Keeney. Darnold to the Saints next year. You heard it first. <laughs> what, are you, are you asking me if I would be happy with that? I'm just trying to get anything out of you right now. I would rather, I would rather Winston than Darnold. Personally. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Yeah, I, I think... I don't think that's controversial, is it? No, probably not. Uh, but nah. I'm sure that we have more important things to be talking about here. That's true. So stop posing you those questions up, then, Hod. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, look, a lot of players in this matchup with uh, average underwhelming scores on both benches. Uh, um, for DFF in particular, there's, there's not a lot of score coming from that bench, so it'll be interesting to see what he does to sort of correct that 120 if he wants to compete, but maybe he's happy to uh, be pulling the Jets here and getting that number one pick. Who knows? Uh, so he'll mm. need Mixon to turn it around like he did last year. Hope that maybe Jonathan Swift can pick up his game a bit. Akers is going to miss with some injury. So gave up a lot to get Akers, but as we said, it's dynasty. So he's going that longer term play, but uh, couldn't be happy with what he's seeing from Akers at the moment in that backfield. So as you've pointed to already, Keeney, I think uh, Steph, not only with his Darnold and the Jets going for maybe Trevor Lawrence, I think Steph could be the early favourite in the Trevor Lawrence sweep, sweepstakes in this league. But uh, nothing's a given, isn't it? It goes into uh, a bit of a lottery there, but he's definitely going to be in the mix at this point, I think. And for the punishers, look, my takeaways are that for a team that built around this year and built around Saquon, uh, I think this injury is a massive blow to Pappas' team, and I think that's stating the bleeding obvious. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what he does now with this injury, how he's going to uh, try and pivot around such a big blow to his team. So Jones looked fantastic, uh, but did a lot of this last year, so he needs some consistency um, from him with St. Quad going down. So we need to focus a lot on... Sorry, we focus a lot on his QB room at the moment, but I think his wide receivers um, are looking to be his biggest weakness. If you actually go through his list, is um, and I probably, if I was prepared enough, should have had it up in front of me. <laughs> so give me a second while I do that. Um, oh, Cooper, Cooper Cup, T.Y. Hilton, DJ Chark. Yeah, I think T.Y. is not playing out the way that he expected it to uh, and he hasn't got he's got less good years ahead of him Cooper Cup's an interesting one I think that it's there's just too many people to share that ball around with Tyler Higby looked very good and was getting a lot of red zone looks which hurts Cooper's value a lot DJ Chark uh, he could still be good he's battling injury at the moment so there's just and then his bench doesn't have much. Willie Sneed, Marvin Jones has been a bit underwhelming, although there is talk that he could be traded to the Patriots or something. So that could be upside for him. Sterling Shepard's now on IR. Um, yeah, I, I just... And James Washington is looking to be phased out of that offense at the moment with Deontay Johnson just uh, playing the way that... He, and Chase Claypool playing the way that they are. So 
I think that there'd be a bit of concern on Papa uh, with his wide receivers at the moment and what he's going to do around that. Because sitting and hoping that uh, maybe some of these players turn around might not be enough for him at this point. So anyway, let's go back to uh, our predictions record from last week's takeaway. So Hod's predictions, he was 2-0 and last week predicting these matchups. Keeney split it 1-1 one and one and you couldn't write it any better. I was 0-2. Oh like, just got every possible combination there. So we'll see how we go because we are going to get back to our predictions for uh, this upcoming week. But I'm going to throw in something a little bit new this week and that's... Uh, some Empire Dynasty League power rankings. That's the power of love. That's the power of love. Oh, yeah. What a drop that was, Keeney. I've given you... Uh, we'll do it in reverse order, and you kick us off with our bottom four in the power rankings. I will. A bit of Huey Lewis oh. and the news. Yeah, don't forget I the news. I won't forget them. Um, the, the bottom four, we're going to start in a bit of reverse order here. Coming in at number 12 after week two is the San Diego Demons. I'm not sure if you want me to elaborate too much on this, but um, and uh, probably the important thing to say is here, we're, we're doing our power ratings based on kind of the squad up to date, not looking too far into the future, um, taking into account a little bit of injuries, but not a heap. So it's more it's more for just their current squad and their current position, you'd say? Yep, absolutely. I think that yep. uh, record isn't taken into account as much. I mean, it is early days, but it is kind of just as their list sits right now, what our reactions are to it. And I think there's a clear bottom four team, so I'll rattle them off. So we've just said 12, San Diego Demons, number 11, Pains me to say it, but the grouse sits there at number 11. Number 10, the DFF. And number nine, another member of the podcast. There might be something in this, the Park City Lions. I think that's pretty clear cut at this point. I don't think there'd be too many objections. Maybe the order of the bottom four, but I think that that grouping is pretty standard. The interesting takeaway from that is I think if you looked at um, initial reactions after the draft is that the San Diego Demons wouldn't have been hoping to be in this uh, section of the power rankings. I think the other three, um, I think we were quite open and honest saying that we weren't really banking a lot on this season, but uh, with no future draft picks for Camo, I don't think he wants to be in this position for much longer. So he'll be hoping to get out of this bottom four. All right, the next four, Hodge, take us through them. Well, the Copyright Cup here is stacked on top of each other with Jim City Stallions sitting in the eighth position to uh, rear up the Tier 2, as you boys call it, the tiers system here. Um, the next bloke, I'm not sure he'll be too chuffed with this ranking, but we've we've slotted the Bayside Executioners into the bottom half at number 7. He's 2-0, and oh, but it's a very, as we mentioned earlier, it's a very lacklustre 2-0. and oh It's a best. flattering, flattering 2-0. Yes, true. Um, now we'll get into the top six. Uh, the zero RB sensible haircuts um, sitting there at six. He's probably the most debatable one there. I think he. I think he's going along quite nicely. And and as we said, you can probably move any of these in within the tiers. But um, the straight cash homies uh, rounds up the tier two at number five, going along nicely. I've got nothing meaningful to add, just that the fact that we're in, you know, COVID lockdown, so it's really a, a zero haircut approach as well for the sensible haircut. <laughs> I can speak for myself. It's not a sensible haircut rolling around at the moment. 
There's a reason why 66% of this podcast are wearing beanies right now as we sit here. <laughs> um, no, I think, uh, look, it's week two. Obviously, it's early days. The I think I think Tim, Manny and Scoot were pretty hard to place. I think you could argue any three of them in any order. They're pretty similar in how they're travelling at the moment. I'll finish with the top four because I know that's what the last four people are hanging on for. Where did they fall? At number four, we've got Pappas Punishers. Um, I think we touched on it just before that his list takes a hit with Saquon going down. So he's still got a very strong list um, and that hurts, obviously, having such a big player go out. Number three, a bit of a dark horse here, the Prestige Worldwide. He's looking pretty strong. A lot of people were uh, looking at his list at the start of the season and predicting it to be in the bottom quarter of the league. So he's he's travelling very nicely. And then uh, number two, we've got the Humdingers in the power rankings and uh, number one, the person who funnily enough suggested we should do a power rankings in the podcast, <laughs> OJ's legal team. I wonder oh. if he maybe anticipated that he could have been the number one in the power ranking, but I think, I think one and two there are, are pretty interchangeable almost. Um, both you guys at the moment are traveling along pretty nicely. So I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how this shapes and how people move up and down the list as the weeks go on first week round, pretty boring. So we'll see how, we go in weeks to come. So, look, it's time for uh, another segment that, that went down pretty nicely last week, the overreaction time. Oh, you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. How how up class are we going with our sound drops? Oh, blowing nicely. Just, uh, last week, I couldn't even find the links at the time. I was scrambling. I've got everything teed up at the moment. So, let's just recap last week. Um so we had three overreactions, and the first one, if you forgot, was in a redraft league. Does Clyde Edwards-Hilaire go higher than Saquon Barkley? Well, funnily enough, I don't think we would have anticipated what happened, but right now you could say, yeah, he would. With uh, Saquon coming back from a knee injury, I absolutely think he will probably will go higher. Next one was, uh, is my chub as big as it was prior to Hunt contract, the Kareem Hunt contract? And yeah, Hunt is getting an awfully large workload there. And then the last one was Cam Newton being elite again. And Hod, we, what would you say to that? Speaking of large, it's roaring. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Cam, he's, he's going along quite nice. So we knew the legs were there, but it was very nice to see them open up the passing offense. Um, when he's behind, that was a little bit of a concern, but... Yeah, I mean, that offense is um, setting him up quite nicely for success. So we'll see if it continues. And just for the list, this is a free podcast, isn't it? How's the insight our listeners are getting on a weekly basis? Just some some really good knowledge coming your way from three really switched-on guys who love their fantasy football. I don't know where this is going, but I'll tell you where it is going. It's going to the week two overreactions. Let's move move along to to this, this week's allotment of overreactions, and I'll kick it off. Um, now, this is a this is a juicy one early. Hot take. Real hot take. And I've got to pose this question to you, and that is, can Pappas Punishers win the league without trading Saquon Barkley this year? Does he need to do it? I, I suppose the first question part to that is, can he actually win it with Saquon sitting on his pine all year? Do you think he's got a strong enough team to do that? And number two, if you could hypothetically... Trade him for, say, like an Eckler and a Goff. Eckler and Goff for Barkley or something in that ballpark range. 
Like that's a, that's a legit trade that could happen. Matt's got both of those players. I'm just throwing one out there. I like that. You, like you're throwing out suggestions for Matt on his behalf. Just well, you know, I've run it by him, which is good. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, at least you've run it by him on the pod. I, I, you know, I think that's an interesting one to think about. Anyway, the point is, do you, the question remains: Do you think he can win it with Barkley sitting on his final year? Well, it's yeah, it is an interesting one. It's it's. I think he's going to want a fair haul for Barkley because as you said, it's, it's dynasty. He goes around again. And when he comes back from his knee injury, look at what Adrian Peterson did coming off the back of an ACL. He went on to lead uh, almost the entire record for rushing yards the following season. So look, he's a, he's a pretty motivated type of cat. So I I think that it'll be interesting to see what Papa is willing to um, get in return for him. If he was in fact to, to throw him out there. That's what I'm looking forward to. There's going to be a bit of strength and rehab work going into those quads. Imagine how big they're going to be when he gets back from injury. Do you reckon that was part of it? Do you think the the knee just couldn't cope with the size of his quads? No, I think they've coped pretty well up until this point. (laughs) I'm going to find it really interesting to see how aggressive Papa is here because he's got a blue chipper sitting there. um, And if he's chips in to win it this year and maybe next year, for mine, it wouldn't be a terrible thing. If he's right there... Um, and that could tip him over the edge this year. Um, obviously, it's a massive thing to give up, and I'm not I'm trying to understate that. Like, he's clearly top three pick in the startup to Dynasty, so I understand um, that, and he's still young. Um, but it just it kind of more speaks to the rest of his squad yeah. um, more than that player. Uh, yeah, and I think it's one that, obviously, uh, Papa could do, whether he does it this week or whether he does it a few weeks from now, maybe... Uh, see has a has a bit of a showing of what his squad can be like without Saquon for a couple of weeks, and maybe he might get the feeling that he needs that extra bit of push. So, I think it's something that could potentially play out as the season goes on. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen straight away, though. I think he he'll probably sit tight and and sort of see how the pieces fall around him. Let's go for the second overreaction for week two, and unlike you, Bruce McAvaney, who posed yours as a question, I'm going to make mine a statement. Because that's how an overreaction works. We don't just put it out there sort of airy-fairy. We make a whole uh, a hard stance on it. And that is that Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert will both be top 24 picks in a dynasty redraft next year. Give us your thoughts. I like, I like that, um, you know, you've, you've, that's a statement coming from your mouth considering I wrote it. But that's um, uh, really well done, mate. Congratulations. <laughs> hey, don't, 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 don't pull the curtain back to the listeners. <laughs> uh, just yeah. Um, I think this is a. I mean, it is an overreaction, but I think it's pretty, pretty bang on. Um, obviously, because I wrote it, but um, I think their value is going to skyrocket. I think that. I mean, Justin Herbert's a real small sample. Um, so is Burrow, I guess, but they both look pretty comfortable, and I would be very, very excited if I owned either of them. I will. I will go with Burrow. Will be not Herbert. I uh, yeah. I, yeah. When when the coach comes out pretty quickly and says, "To Rod is our starter," I don't know if that speaks to where Herbert's at or just how much he rates Taylor. But yeah, I think Joe Burrow is the real deal. We'll wait and see on Herbert. I think. I think him coming out and saying that is classic coach speak. Um, he's he's backed to Rod all off season, the locker room, see him as the guy. And I think if he was going to come out almost instantly and say, nah, this, this kid's going to take over straight away, which everyone watching the game, how much better did their team look 
with him at the offense or running the offense there. Um, I think that that's just a classic way of the coach sort of backing his locker room captain into Rod Taylor. And, and you do want to ease um, young QBs into, into the NFL. I think it proves to be pretty handy. Uh, there's a better track record for QBs that have been eased in as opposed to being thrown to the wolves like some blokes have. And slight, slightly unrelated, but <clears throat> I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Tua start as well. I'm not sure when it'll be. Um, but if these two guys are anything to go by, it um, could be a pretty pretty nice class. You could add love to that as well, I suppose. Mm. Absolutely. Well, we'll move on to another position here. Um, that is the wide receiver position. And a man that the very own Sensible Haircuts was very big on, Deontay Johnson. Is he the number one receiver in Pittsburgh? So we'll start off with the first two weeks. Deontay has 10 and 13 targets for 57 and 92 yards with one touchdown. That's a massive target share. And Juju, who we see as the number one, has six and eight targets for 69 and 48 yards with two touchdowns. So, Keeney, you you are invested in both of these in different leagues. What do you think here? Yeah, I am. I think think they can coexist in the same offense, and I think they will. Um, I think... From what we saw last year, Deontay Johnson's less QB dependent than what Juju is. Um, I think they're both extremely talented. I think Juju's the one that can catch 14, 15 touchdowns, whereas I don't think Deontay Johnson can do that. He's a different type of receiver. Um, but he's, he's a PPR darling, Johnson. Um, and he, he could be a really, really nice player for many years to come. They really like him, obviously. Yeah, um, Oh, sorry, Ben. Um, I'll just quickly say I'm I'm surprised by that because Juju is not a touchdown machine um, over the years and he is more of that slot PPR machine, whereas Johnson's that big play threat. I, uh, I know he's had a lot of targets, but we're, we're, I'm, I'm just interested by that, Keeney. Well, I, I, I see Juju as, the, as more of a touchdown dependent receiver than I do Johnson personally. Okay. Um, I know he's playing more in the slot this year, which is good for him. Um, I, I just think he's so young still, Juju. Like, you forget how young he is. Um, he's so talented. Um, 26, to... isn't he? No, Juju. no, no. He's young. 23. No, he's 23. 23. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, there you he, go. He had, a, he had an ordinary year last year, um, and, but his QB was injured and everyone's kind of jumped ship. Um, I'm still high on the talent that he is. I, st- I, still, I still see him as the number one, if that's the overreaction. Um, but we'll, we'll wait and see. That's, that's why it is the overreaction. <laughs> that's it. Do you, you see Deontay Johnson as the number one? No. Not I see all. him being a more consistent performer all year. Absolutely. I see him giving more consistent fantasy performances uh, and getting... I, I Okay, I'll make a hot take here that he'll get more targets on the year than Juju will. Wow. There's my... Or maybe we'll spin that one into the overreaction. All right, let's go back and redo it all again. The whole podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on, I think, to our week three previews. Kick us off, Kenny. No, I'm yellow. I'll kick us (laughs) off. (laughs) And this is uh, is karma, because wasn't I just on the back of saying how how elite this podcast has been with the sound drops? And I forgot... (laughs) What colour represents what, what I need? What colours are? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. What a smooth... I'm going to leave all that in. Why not? 
Uh, all right, our week three previews. We'll kick it off with the Grouse. This is what threw me. The Grouse is the team against the Gym City Stallions. This is both teams 0-2. One team's going to chalk up their first win for the year. The other will fall to a lowly 0-3. Big questions ahead of the game. Will Jim bring KJ Hamler off his taxi squad? It might be the first instalment of a bloke being brought off the taxi squad with uh, Sutton going down for the year. So it'll be interesting to see. Maybe he didn't even think of that until I put it in his head on this podcast. So you're welcome, Keeney. Will Keeney start big Jeff? Driscoll, who just quietly was his highest scoring QB in week two, sitting on the pine, scoring an 18. He's been my highest scoring QB this year. <laughs> just about. No, not just about. Oh, yeah. Genuinely has in a one week, week. Weekly, yeah. What, average? Wait, but he didn't play week yeah. one. He didn't score. Yeah, no, but he tended to top score in a given oh, game. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you meant collectively. But, uh, you know, Carson Wentz has looked very ordinary. He's actually uh, ranked the worst QB in the league, according to PFF at the moment. So not a very good start. And Daniel Jones, uh, some costly turnovers. But as he said, he's he's come up against two pretty solid defences. And 49ers are good, but they're a bit ravaged with injury at the moment. So hoping a bounce back there. Kittle looks set to return against the Giants, uh, but now you play that fun game of a bloke coming back, nursing an injury. Do you do you put all your chips back on the table? Is he going to be limited in his snap count? All those sort of things. So it could be more frustration for you there for the next few weeks. AJ Brown didn't practice. Another one to watch. Uh, and another takeaway is that Jim finally learnt what a grouse was. So uh, what a fun what a, what a fun week it was. I I don't think Keeney will find it too hard to slot Kittle back in there in whatever role, whatever size role he has with Kendrick Bourne and a few others <laughs> occupying some starting spots. Mate, Nick Mullins loves Kendrick Bourne, by the way. But also, I, I just wanted to touch on if, um, if, Jim, you do listen to this and you do bring KJ Hamler in off the taxi squad, can you just run that past Matt before you actually do it? I just... I just want to make sure we get that all clear before we do anything hasty. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see if he does. My prediction for this one is uh, the Stallions. They severely underperformed last week with six players scoring in single digits and one even in the negatives. And Keeney's lack of scoring depth is going to make it difficult for him week to week. So... Uh, I think with Henderson there to come off the bench, I'm picking the Stallions to ride off into the sunset for a victory. Well, if uh, if Ben's predictions year to date are anything to go off, Keeney, you should be pretty pumped for this week. <laughs> the Moz, the so, reverse Moz. <laughs> speaking of Ben, let's right. move on to your matchup with the straight cash homies. And uh, Timos has some juicy quarterback matchups here. Um, Going to be a great floor with Kylo against the Lions and Tannehill against Mini, uh, which is a surprisingly poor defense to start the year. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, will Benny be tempted to throw the big Sherbet in against the Panthers this week? He's uh, He's got the start here. Quick quick snippet there, Benny. Well, you, you talk about matchups, and arguably right now, Carolina's defense, as bad as it is, is the best Defense against QBs, I think it's because they can't stop the run. So who knows? Who knows what that will look like? It'll probably be something that I tinker with 15,000 times across the next few days. Loves a tinker. 
Uh, Timos will need a few players to answer after some terrible outings last week. And I think, I think personally, we will see Josh Allen um, come back down to earth eventually. But um, that could affect uh, Stefan Diggs here because he comes up, he's had a very cushy schedule the first two weeks and will come up against Jalen Ramsey this week. So we'll see if his form can continue. And the prediction... Now two and zero on the year, so the, my predictions might have, huge might have some effect here. But uh, looking at the matchups, I have a feeling that this might be tighter than what it looks like on paper, and could be a juicy finish to the week if Timos isn't thirty-five plus points. I've just got that figure out of nowhere, but I'm I'm throwing it in there. If he's not thirty-five points plus heading into the Monday night football contest between the Ravens and the Chiefs, his sphincter could get a little tight because it's going to be an absolute showdown, that one in prime time. I think Mahomes versus Lamar, there's going to be points everywhere. And yeah, Timos, I I think in saying that, this is what I do. I pump you up and then I bring you down. I think Tim might just get over the line here. Well, I think I, I tend to agree with you there. And I think, look, whether Ben... Rolls with the brown chub or the love chub. I think that's going to give anyone a tight sphincter, really, when you think about it. I would so, have thought the opposite effect. <laughs> oh, I think it's a real, I think it's a real yeah. clenching motion, I would have thought. Depends if you're playing defense. <laughs> or offense. Oh, imagine special teams. It'd be great. Oh, kicker. Oh. Oh, God. Any semblance of... Long uh... snapper. <laughs> any, any semblance of professionalism that we might have had is just well and truly gone. Anyone want to be the holder? <laughs> Keep on going. Come on, next game. Let's go. Move on. Oh, moving on. Keeney, you're up. Okay, let's move on from the love chub. I think I like the love chub better than the brown chub. <laughs> Uh, that's outstanding. Could um, you just just before we move on? Could you do the triple threat, the brown chub snells? <laughs> oh, we got four. The brown love chub snells. Uh, oh, push, I don't want to face oh, you that way. Let's get this back on track somehow. A week that would be. Um, and this is a game I'm actually really looking forward to. The San Diego Demons against the Pappas Punishers. And I think it's just because I enjoy any game that Pappas are part of, to be honest. <laughs> I just enjoy seeing what, what comes out of his team. I just really like it. So, um, But with that said, it's actually a really good week to get Camo. I mean, we know what he did at the start of the draft, getting Mahomes and Watson. And if you're ever going to have to face Mahomes and Watson, um, it might as well be when they play the Ravens D and the Steelers D. Um, which is what Papa gets here. So he's caught a bit of a break um, here in week three, playing the San Diego Demons. I think all eyes will be on Breeze and Brady again from from Papa's punishers. Um, but we'll have to we'll have to just see if if, San, if the San Diego Demons can actually keep this one pretty close until Monday Night Football. I hope he does because if he does, we'll have a nice little spicy Mahomes v Kelsey to finish this off. Um, so if it is a close contest that could go right down to the wire a um, couple of probably injury comments here from both sides or I think just from Papa actually Sterling Shepard's obviously out on IR um, so he won't play and DJ Shark which is a pretty big one actually he's an underrated player and 
particularly for that early game as well, early game pod. I know you like those early games. Um, he's got a groin slash Achilles, so he didn't practice, so he'd be questionable. So he's tough to start um, with that early game as well. So now moving on to the predictions. We did touch on it, or Ben touched on the fact that Camo has not been great um, at, at setting his lineups this year. It hasn't been one of his fortes, so he needs to get that one right um, if he's going to cause an upset here. I think we looked at Camo's best possible optimal lineup this year um, over the two weeks, and that sits at 283.54 versus Papa's actual lineup of 283.42. So remarkably close. And to be honest, there's not a lot between these two. Despite the power rating suggesting that um, Camo's 12th and Papa's 4th, there's not a lot between them, I don't think. So I can see this one going down to the wire, but I am going to tip the punishers just to knock him off and advance to two and one. Nice. That's uh... Actually, no, I predicted against Papa last week, so he'll be happy for that. But you're a one and one, so who knows? Coin flip, Keeney, of what your predictions could be. Uh, huge sample size that we're basing that off clearly as well. All right, our next matchup is the uh, Johnny Unitas haircuts coming up against Prestige Worldwide. I think I said matchup just then, but I'll yes, keep moving on. <laughs> All I can see is Hod's reaction after I stuff that up. Anyway, we'll keep going because this is such a professional show at the point at this point. Both teams 2-0, and uh, so this will be a very juicy matchup. Uh, both very similar scoring teams. We've got Wilson and Prescott facing off in fantasy and in real life, which could be uh, a fun game that determines who comes out on top in this matchup. Matt's wide receiver depth versus Manny's running back depth, both to be tested this week. So there's a lot of narratives that can come out of this game here. I, I think it's going to be a pretty tight one. Um, I know we've said that about quite a few, but I, I do think that both teams have the ability to get 160 plus as they've shown already. So hoping that it will be a matchup that comes down to less than 10 points will be a fun one to watch. My prediction is that uh, Sutton on IR hurts the sensible haircuts. So I predict this one going down to the wire, both teams I've got, I've wrote down here scoring over 140. I'm going to up that. They're going to score over 160 is my prediction and prestige worldwide are going to go to three and O and have I reverse mozzed, Matt, again, who knows? We'll have to wait and oh, see. I love that. And I love these games that are, that are close that have really nice Monday night games as well. So this, this one's Mark Andrews v Tyreek Hill to close it out. Oh. So another oh. one that could just swing either way. Mm, Matt will be nervous regardless, let's exactly. be honest. Well, we love swinging. So we'll move on to the two swingers here in the Bayside Executioners. <laughs> and Team DFF. I'm not sure why it's Team DFF. Go, go look at the app. Yeah, I did notice that. I don't know what's going on there, but I can already see this is going to blow up this game because if we look on the chat, which is live, they're already having shots at each other. The DFF's putting up his usual clickbait with Mr. Irrelevant, Darnell Mooney, and Scoot's telling him to start him against me, and maybe he will, and I won't read the next one because it needs to stay rated. But um, Devontae Adams, uh, hamstring, looking like a game-time decision. Uh, but Scoot might get Kenny Golladay back this week. Uh, apparently, he was pretty close last week. And Scoot must have the inside word on Golladay because he's um, telling me that he's going to play. So, some tough decisions for him to make um, if they're both still up in the air coming into the Sunday night, uh, our time. But Steph could have a, a real tough week here. 
We could say Darnold is already seeing ghosts. The ghosts of the quarterback room at the DFF. He's going to be the first team heading up a weekly lineup as a solo QB. And as I've mentioned earlier, Darnold is facing an absolute juggernaut in the Colts defense this year. So um, another one to add is CEH faces the best run D in the league. So I don't envision a huge total this week for the DFF or the team DFF, um, which just falls in line with how Scoot's opponents have been this season. He is the new Thais of the TMD. So in saying that, the DFF will score under the ton this week and Scoot moves to a lackluster 3-0. and I like it. That is a, that is a hot take. Yeah. I'm yeah. Can we start calling him, uh, if that's how it plays out, can we start calling him the Green Bay Executioners? <laughs> it's not bad, Ben. I like that. Thanks. But Green, Green, Bay's pro- Green Bay is proving us a little wrong at the moment. They're looking very good. They are. All right. We're now, we're, we're finishing with the matchup of the week. The Humdingers versus OJ's illegal team. Well, Al, I just think this is going to be a great game between the Humdingers and OJ's legal team. I mean, both teams are really good at the quarterback position, and there's just no weaknesses here. So that was my Chris Collinsworth impression <laughs> on the Monday night. Um, oh, match up you got to throw oh, in pass rush if you're going to be Chris Collins. Oh. <laughs> well, speaking of throwing in, you might need a laxative because, geez, he sounded constipated. That's how he talks, mate. <laughs> I would have preferred a booger impersonation, to be honest. I don't know, well. Anyway, let's move on to this. This is a great game as well. Geez, I've got two. I'm previewing two really nice ones here. Humdingers against the OJ legal team. Battle of the heavyweights here. Both of these teams definitely fancy them themselves number one and two in our power ratings um and as i said they both fancied themselves in year one to take it out um and whilst i don't think this game in particular will have any great impact on the outcome this year i do i will say i think the winner will carry a significant psychological edge if they do happen to meet later on down the road in the finals so keep that in mind listeners bit of swagger i think the dingers like most of us are a bit dinged up so Julio is questionable. Coleman's out, of course, and then the big one, CMC, um, out. So his running back positions a tad light compared to what he was at the start of the year, obviously. Good news for Hod is that Godwin will be cleared and will play most likely from that concussion. Um, moving on to Jake's team, I think Jake may be Leonard fortunate that Leonard Fournette Jeez. looks to be potentially <laughs> taking the reins in Tampa Bay. <laughs> Did you like that, man? Oh. And before I get Hod's thoughts on this, I do find it interesting that he's actually at the minute starting Gurley v Chicago um, over Fournette at the moment. So surely there's a little bit of a tinker coming Jack's way there. What are your thoughts on this matchup, Hod? Well, yeah, it's it's going to be a fairly hard test for me, I would have thought. Uh, Godwin has cleared the concussion protocol already, so he's in. Um, and hopefully they can he can get Brady back on track there. Um, but, I'll, look, I'll have to hope for a shootout Monday night football having Ingram and Hollywood. Um, hopefully I can generate some points later in the piece. 
and also really hoping Julio gets up for this because having the Ryan stack with Julio, if he, if he could score some points, um, is a lot better than the other way given Jake has Ridley. So that could be nullifying some points for me if, if Ryan looks his way, which he has early and often. But uh, another hot take, I've currently got the big Mo Ali Cox sitting in the flex spot at the moment with the double PR points, whatever you call them. Super flex tight end. Super tight end premium flex. Yes. Well, Mo Ali Cox looks looks the goods. Um, Great story there with the Colts holding onto him, ex-basketballer. And he draws the Jets this week. So... No doubt I'll leave him in there and tinker late in the piece, but uh, he's in there for now. He's so. a big unit. There's no doubt in my mind that Adam Gase doesn't know who he is, so that's a that's a leg up for you. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my predictions here, and and despite the dingers lacking some protection at the running back <laughs> position, I do like him in this matchup. <laughs> Sorry, that's very good. You're on fire. Thanks, <laughs> mate. Look, I think a few of Jake's. Players who have been absolutely outrageously good early um, in the year. Um, I think they might have a tough time replicating that this week. Um, you think of guys like Ridley against Chicago, pending obviously the Julio news, Fant with, with now Driscoll at QB, Beckham against Washington, Derek Carr against the Pats defense now. I just think there's a few matchups that favor you here, Hod. Um, and I will predict that the Dingers are going to take this Ooh. one out. Mm. Very nice. Ding, ding the confidence. Ding the confidence of the uh, OJ's legal team there. I like it. Well, I didn't dong out Thais, as we called last week. So hopefully you didn't. we can turn it around. And if I know Jake uh, well enough from, from our interactions in this league so far, he'll take that pretty well. He won't take offence to the fact that you didn't pick his team to win. He won't have anything teed up, ready to go after this <laughs> matchup. Who knows what he's going to say about your players after he teed off on uh, Scoot's team. <laughs> Oh, Fab's legal team. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so there, that does it. We've we've managed to with all those new, with all that news and uh, planning to get through this week and our extra few segments like our power rankings. We've not gone too over time, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how teams bounce back after all these injuries. Hopefully, we don't face another week like we did in week two, which was just an absolute massacre of players. Um, Hopefully, people's lists can hold up in a bit better shape coming out of week three than they did after week two. Any final thoughts there, boys? Well, loved it again. Um, I think the listeners can be pretty happy with the production value they got this week. Expect uh, it to only grow and get better as the weeks goes on. But um, once again, good luck to everyone week three. Really enjoying this league. I think it's going really well. Uh, if, if you talk about room to grow in this podcast, we've definitely left ourselves with plenty of room to move there. <laughs> I don't know, don't know what you're talking about, Benny. I thought tonight was our best yet. We'll see how it turns out. But um, I've got a quick sign-off tonight, boys. I've got to go meet uh, Benny Snell quite shortly. So, podcast uh, over and out. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs>